0: And welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Heslop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. So we launched a brand new series this morning, which we've called Digital Babylon. Again, if you're listening to this on podcast and you're not 13 years old, find a parent or a caregiver who can listen with you, uh, this living in. Um, It's really important to us. It's important as part of society, it's it's important as we are becoming disciples, followers of Jesus, no matter where we are at on that journey, that we understand that the gospel met culture in a first century setting. It was a real culture, had real issues, real dynamics, and Jesus found a way to speak to culture uh, through the gospel. To. So, So that's very important. Why Babylon? Why digital Babylon? Uh, well, uh, in many ways, our virtual world is no longer virtual. It is instead being lived out in the palm of our hands, a place that many people are actually actively living in. There's like life now for them. It's not, it's not just life in the virtual life. This has actually become life. So it's no separation of that. Um, according to GSMA real-time intelligence data, we've got the stat on the screen there are 5.27 billion active mobile devices in the world. That does not include computer desktops, laptops. That is uh, mobile device devices. Um, so there are obviously some people who have chosen not to have a mobile device, and you might even be sitting in this room and you're like that, but you probably have a computer of some form. Um, I remember my first mobile device in 1998. I bought a Nokia um, with a small black, and I was going to say black and white, but it really wasn't a white. It was like an off-white brown, black and brown LED Um, A tiny little display, and on it, I could talk for $9.95 a minute, or I could send a text for like $8 a text, um, and you could play. This was on the second edition, it wasn't the first one I had. After that, they had five or six lines of LED, and so then you could play a brand new thing called the Nokia Snake, and it was unbelievable, uh, powerful entertainment. But boy, haven't we come a long, long way. We have come a long, long way. Now you can purchase, sell, bank, create, invest. Give, steal. We just got this year. Rebecca and I had um, our entire accounts cleared out. Uh, theft, online theft. We got the money back, but it was like a four-week process uh, it's through a digi- digital means. The uh, you can do everything: solicit, you can um, you can sign PDFs and acquire property, all via a lot of pretty much digital means, and of course. Okay, it's not too much of a surprise to also imagine that would now involve sex. Uh, what we used to have purchased where all good books and not good books are sold uh, is now just one click away. Uh, in fact, there is a lot of click billion individual visits to a particular porn site. I'm not going to name the porn site. This is just one site a year. It's 130 million visits per day. To one porn site just have a look at this next stack because this in web existence this might freak you out a little bit but this was actually um, measured or counted in 2003 currently they can't count it but um, estimates are somewhere around 400 million sites it's a huge amount of traffic uh, that actually populates um, back in the dark web and so forth and It's quite staggering, it's quite overwhelming. New Zealand, unfortunately, the rates, um, if you're wondering where New Zealand's at, it's not particularly good. I'll just show you this graph. Of this one site that has 130 million visits per day, um, 61% are male and 39% are female. Of the age breakdown, uh, 18 to 24 is 17% of those visits, 25 to 34 are 32%, and 21% is 35 to 44%. Now, if you take that first teal green or whatever that green is, right through to here, that is 18 to just two years above my age. I'm 42 soon. I'm going to talk about it in a minute that's not measured. And then you've got the above age ranges, which is 45 to 54 is 15%, um, and right through to the older age range as being uh, represented. These uh, statistics are New Zealand stats. Um, New Zealand. Actually, in New Zealand, the most viewed porn day to view porn is a Sunday. Most porn viewed anywhere is on a Sunday. Um, it's, it's in, a, in America, the most viewed uh, day to view porn, the day that most porn is viewed, is on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is well in advance, it's a massive spike. It's really unusual. And uh, you might be aware of some of these stats, or you might not be. You might be shocked by some of these, or you might not be. But the reason we are having this conversation is because of what we have, in a pastoral or a cultural sense, been um, understanding as far as a cultural impact. Currently, because of this overexposure, there are really massive uh, impacts. Some are on, of course, children and young people. So that graph I showed you does not account for anyone under the age of 18 because if any website admits anyone under 18 has visited their site, that's illegal. Um, the stats at the moment are that 84% of 14 to 18-year-old males have viewed porn online. That was 84%. Um, in, the stat, in the States, it's 11 to 18. So they've just come out of childhood really, starting to go into adolescence, and 84% of that age demographic have, have viewed porn um, it's 57% of females, 11 to 18. And the question is, well, what kind of porn is it? And I'd strongly advise you to not, um, out of curiosity, try to work this out by visiting these sites. It, it, will, it, it will kind of make sense later why. Um, but um, let me just say this. that I, I've done a massive amount of research and study on this. I needed a bath, shower, burned my clothes in a 44-gallon drum after reading and studying. I didn't visit any porn sites during this. I just read um, a lot of anecdotal research. Doctors and hospitals are now reporting to have increased cases of sexual injury, which is not actually just in the communities where porn is being filmed or created, but in our communities. It's an understanding, you might have worked out by now, it's now a user upload scenario. So these aren't created, the majority of content has not been made by studios in Hollywood. It's actually being created by users in their homes and uploaded via apps. It is by nature then moved beyond just being illicit or sexual alone in nature to now incorporating violence in sexuality. Studies revealed this is now creating a new norm on expectation of sexual behavior. So if you're 11 and you've been exposed to some of this porn, let me just say it this way, that some of the graphic um, violence involved needing hospital treatment is sort of mid-range. That's sort of mid-range for what's going on. Um, There's obviously, uh, you would imagine, more extremes, and there are probably what would be um, more conservative approaches somewhere in the spectrum there, Um, but that is what's going on. Along with this saturation comes horrors unspeakable of which liberals now want to legalize and fight for, that is, of course, child sex. That is right. You don't have to Google very hard to find out that in America there are lobbying groups trying to lobby to make sex for children, not 11-year-olds but younger, totally legal and fine. And the reason they're doing this is because, and and it is a really important part of our series, this thought, that in my generation relationships, right, tail end of the years. What's happening now is people are separating sex from what it means to be human. So they're actually saying, well, your body's sort of not a part of you anyway, it's just your body. And of course, the um, gospel does not agree with that. However, um, the, the after effects of a culture with so much saturation of this online content is, and this won't be pleasant, I'm just warning you, In 2018, 45 million images of child sexual abuse material, often referred to as child porn, were reported to the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. That's 45 million images reported. In 2019, that number jumped to 69 million. And for some reason, they think it's the lockdown. By 2020, they had over 120 million images reported, reported. The freakiest thing beyond just the horrors of that is that the majority is not reported. I guess in the 1990s, we would have talked about porn at youth camps, and um, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and we would have selectively missed the Sunday pulpit because I guess we thought, well, with some willpower and a cold shower, you can throw out the magazine, and it's going to be all right. But ladies and gentlemen, things are no longer all right. Things are Babylon. Um, Babylon is a real place. We're in 722 BC. Northern parts of the nation of Israel were captured and led into exile. Isaiah the prophet had prophesied that this was going to happen if Israel didn't get their hearts sorted out. Probably the best way to think about it was when Isaiah himself or Jeremiah, one of the two, said, you honor me with your lips. You know how to talk a good Christian game. Not Christian at that stage, Jewish, but you know how to talk a good spiritual game. But your hearts are far from me. So Israel, you can read in first and second kings, they've got good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings, bad kings, bad kings, good kings, Josiah turns up, it's a bad king, so forth. And they got to the point where they were duplicitous, they were like wanting God, but they were also wanting idols and other things. So God is like, okay, off you go, because I've tried to reason with you through prophets. I've tried to reason with you directly through Moses, um, and it's quite clear that you don't want this. So off they went to Babylon, the northern parts of Israel. Other parts remained. It was um, utter devastation. Their entire culture, their entire way of doing life was thrown out. Um, And really this was kind of God's way of of saying to them, listen, you need to get things sorted out. Um, He said through Isaiah, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are, be red like crimson, they will again be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land again. And then God rescues them. And for us who are Christ followers, um, you need to understand esk- in an eschatological way and also a, through the word of God, Babylon is just the world. That's what that is. Okay? So the world is not just certain parts, not within the will and the teachings and the way of Jesus. That's anything outside of that is the world. That's just the way that God refers to it as world. Call, call it evil, you could call it whatever you want. Um, we, the big revelation, I guess, in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, is when Jesus says to John on Patmos, Hey, but don't worry, even in the world, he says this, I am making all things new. And that actually includes the world, but just not yet. The way that Jesus makes everything new at this stage is not through a total systemized change around us, but heart by heart, life by life. Your life, my life. So when we give our lives to Jesus and when our eyes are open to him, okay, he saves us from Babylon. But what's a little bit different to what happened with Israel is that he keeps us in Babylon. Have you ever heard the Bible verse, we are um, in the world but not of the world? Have you ever heard that one? That's the New Testament vision, and it is a vision for the fact that, yeah, the world is crazy Babylon. I mean, they worshipped only idols. They didn't have the God of Israel. They're, it was a huge city. It was pagan. They were sacrificing children to unknown gods. Sex was not a um, sport. It was a lifestyle and a currency. It was just, it was out of control. It was totally out of control. And so sometimes we forget, it feels like I need to take deep breaths, you know. I just, it feels heavy stuff. Sometimes we forget that we have actually been as God's children through Christ saved from Babylon, okay? But you've got to get your heads around this, redeemed, made whole, found Canaan in our hearts, or well, that's a Bible word for promise, the promise, the rest. But then he just spins us around and he sends us back in again <laughs> to be salt and light. And sometimes Babylon can rub off on you. It's quite hard. You know, Jesus knows this, he gives us his powerful Holy Spirit to be in the world but not of the world. And I think we've got to think about that a lot. But this message in the series is just to importantly state again, clearly, the digital world is Babylon too. And in fact, I think the digital world is an even stronger Babylon than anything we as humanity have understood yet. And you might be okay because you might still have a Nokia or a Samsung. (laughs) But, um, but, But our children... And our young people, and, um, and, and, and our loved ones, and maybe even a spouse today, or it could be a parent, can easily get lost, can easily get distracted, can easily get exiled back into what God actually paid to get you out of. And that's what this is about. So what is this about? Why are we talking about this? Because it is a little bit uncomfortable it's a little bit awkward. You're lucky, though, I like awkward. I kind of like, I'm kind of into it. Not in a weird way. Not in a sinful way. I just, I just think, as the church, you know, if we don't give voice to the culture, we, we are ignorant. And ignorance is bliss until it comes into your house. To it affects your family and until it affects your child. So three reasons we're having this conversation. Here we go. Number one, we want to speak about the real harm of porn. Although this series won't only be about porn. Next week, we're going to actually paint a vision for sex and sexuality in the kingdom. And it's pretty radical. I'm just letting you know it is a powerful vision. But today, I want to talk about the real harm of porn. Two, I want to give other side effects of digital Babylon. This this morning. Three, I want to give voice to the freedom that is Christ's awesome reward. So first of all, the real harm of porn. Well, Graham, it's no big deal. We're all curious. We're all sexual beings. Don't know why I did that movement while I did that. That's weird. Um, you know, we're all, everyone's trying to stay silent, hey? Especially Ashley, Ashley Gaskell. Especially, I can see you there. You're just trying, uh, but you're doing well. Well, you know, it's, you know, they're just pictures. It's just people's bodies. It's just nothing much. Craig Grishel, um, he argues this, that porn isn't no big deal. He goes the other way. And it's really, really interesting because I believe it's really true that actually it kills. So it literally kills. James chapter 1 and verse 13 to 15 in the message says, Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, That's God trying to trip me up. In other words, try to twist temptation and say, Oh, God. He's okay with it now. It's 2021. Oh, God understands my urges and my body. You know, God, God's changed things, his mind on stuff, because the world's evolved and we've finally got knowledge. You know, we're a woke culture. You know, the people who are proponents of woke are the most, you know, asleep people there are. But that's another topic for another day, and I will delete it on the podcast later. But it goes on to say this. God is impervious to evil. In other words, God is not the creator of evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give into evil comes, this is big, comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing, flare-up of our own lust. And Bible terms of lust is just appetites of the flesh. So that's just where our flesh has an appetite, has has a smorgasbord of stuff that the flesh wants. And it's actually impervious, it says there, to what the spirit wants. So you are a spirit soul. What else are you? Body? Yep, cool. Um, and those long men. And the more that you starve your spirit, the less it becomes withered. But it goes on to say this that last, the, the flesh, the appetites of the flesh, when um, it gets pregnant, it has a baby. And that baby, this is the message translation, that baby's called sin. And sin, when it grows up into adulthood, if you just leave it long enough, it becomes a real killer. And the NIV actually states this leads to death. So Craig Shell's argument, and, and this, is, this would be our argument too, that it kills physically. Porn's very, very harmful. Not only, as I said, are people experiencing now sexual injury. You know, we would have just found some spiritual way to create the physical argument. But now, like, like seriously, sexual injury. But how about this? Erectile dysfunction is one of the biggest issues relating to porn. Because there is so much stimulus as far as what is being viewed in content that it is literally damaging um, organs. Which I think, you know, for a light humour moment, I think it's a wee bit ironic. I think it's ironic, don't laugh, I said don't respond, but I think it's a bit ironic that people are so into sex, but now they've got no physical way to have it. I think that is a great comedy. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of this whole thing of, yeah, because... You know, in God, we've just allowed our appetites to run rampant that it's ruined my appetite. The appetite that's going on is actually not a healthy sexual appetite. It's something else. Sin. It's got a sin appetite. There are new statistics to also show that early death, premature death, is often linked with those who are heavily addicted to porn as well. Stats. That those really addicted don't live long lives. It's unusual that it has a very physical dimension in terms of the effects We know that it kills emotionally. New science reveals that new porn and even older porn creates, listen, indiscriminate amounts of dopamine surge in the body, creating an overload in the brain that then reacts. So um, I'm going to tell you at the end of this message about some resource we've made available. So they're very useful pieces of resource. One that I I found actually through a counselor who recommended it is the whole um, way to break a porn addiction is to break the dopamine cycle. But when you have a dopamine surge, so just so you're aware, this is affecting both males and females. I read a testimony of a girl who got hooked into porn at 11 and couldn't get free until she was 17, having to watch it all the time. By the way, the stats at the moment are that the average porn um, uh, new world addiction is they're watching between um, 9 and 11 hours of this a week. It's quite extraordinary because they're very short clips as far as the research I've done, the way the medium has moved. So that is a lot of different content, that's a lot of different exposure, and that's the average. Um, So um, what happens when you have a porn um, binge? Is anyone wishing they didn't come to church now? They're like, seriously, I didn't come to church for this. I know, it's all good, it's going to be all good. Um, What happens is when you have a porn binge is that your brain releases unhuman amounts of dopamine. And then your body, science is showing, has to go into a seven-day detox withdrawal to rebalance the dopamine levels. Seven days. So if you view porn this day, whatever day it is, and then you're not going to get back to normal levels of dopamine until seven days later. But of course, because your body's actually withdrawing so much dopamine, guess what your body wants to do? Get another hit. So the cycle that's created is very vicious. And that emotional... Um, that's a brain effect, but the emotional effect in research now, extraordinary rates of depression, very, very big issues with anxiety, the substance abuse, alcoholism, even if it's mild, um, drug use in the extreme, and without a doubt, they're seeing now relational breakdown. Again, a huge irony is that there is not a lot of intimacy going on in relationships where porn is um, an issue. They're all byproducts of effects. And we know it also kills spiritually. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 to 20 is a great piece of scripture. I'd really encourage you, if you're into, really interested in this, to study it at home. In the message, I'm going to read it to you. It's very good in the NIV. Um, it's got some really famous pieces of scripture that people have forgotten are real quotes on this issue. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Listen to this. This is Paul. To the, to the church in Corinth too. Corinth. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. It's not a wedding cliche, like if you are one flesh, you know, you are actually one being. How did you do that? Well, he's saying through sex. That's how it's done. Since we want to become then spiritually one with the master, we can't go on pursuing the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Now, next week, we're going to paint a a vision for sex and sexuality in the kingdom that will address this. But what it does is it leaves us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never, ever become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the, sac- violate the sacredness of our own bodies, and of course, these bodies are were made for God given, God modelled love. He goes on to say, because a lot of us quote the scripture, but this is the context. Are you ready for it? It's God modelled love for becoming one with another. Or did you not realise that your body is actually a sacred space, place, the place of the Holy Spirit? That's that New uh, International Version that says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's in this. Goes on to see that you can't. Don't you see that you can't live, however. The physical part of you is not some piece of property. And that's that whole new idea of sex being disconnected from humanity, is that we put it off in the side, my body, my choice. Okay, well, we've all got choices, but your body is not separate from divinity, and your body is actually not separate from God. And it goes on to say that if you try to do that, it's not a piece of property, belonging to a spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. And this is why this is actually a message on revival. Because we want the Spirit of God to come in such a way and move in such a way, but often there's things blocking it. And just by giving voice to it today, I'm actually really believing that some people who have sat in messages all year long hearing about revival, or maybe even issues beyond that, you're actually going to sense a newfound freedom, a newfound grace, because in our bodies, The Holy Spirit wants to dwell. So essentially, um, what is going on from a spiritual point of view, okay, is as far as killing us spiritually, we put walls up. I've, I've never seen a man or a woman effectively lead. And it is not as though God cannot deal with it. It's just that it causes spiritual blockage. And it doesn't have to. We don't have to be blocked spiritually. We don't have to be separate. So that's porn and how damaging and how dangerous it is. Number two, Babylon has other terrible side effects. And guys, it might feel like what you've heard now has been our main message, but it's not. It's an important message. This right here is going to be very important for people to hear. The oversupply and saturation of porn has created an issue I pray you hear me everywhere on the recording in this room, that every parent, every household, every grandparent, every caregiver must now consider. Hope you're listening. Because porn has become a user upload scenario, people who are hooked are now naturally tempted to create their own. We'd never considered that before now. What that is doing in culture, and it's a reality, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to divulge stories that we may or may not know, but I am going to tell a story in a minute of someone that you would not know. But what is going on, this is the reality. It is now why we've had to have this conversation as a senior leadership team. About three months ago, we said we need to bring this to the church and we need to talk about it. Our entire uh, leadership team feeling elders and board as well. That you should know some things. And grandparents, this is for you as well. We've known, of course, that there's reports of credible agencies talking of human trafficking that's associated with porn. So that's uh, big in Europe. I mean, it's big in every country. It'll be happening in New Zealand as well. Human trafficking directly linked to it. Um, There is child porn we've talked about as well. Uh, The increased violence towards women as a bi-culture, in culture, because um, of of the way that sex is infiltrating or this type of sex is infiltrating um, society but this is really, really important. It's creeping into homes in an insidious way. Rebecca and I were recently alerted to a 13-year-old girl who doesn't live in Nelson, not a Nelson story. Pastor friends of ours told us the story about a 13-year-old girl, and she'd been found at an event, church event, crying, um, in, the, in, a, in a bathroom. Um, when it Talk to after some time and often is the case, it takes some time sometimes for the truth to come out. It had been revealed that an older male via social media had sent this girl a DM, direct message, an image of his genitals in a pornographic medium, way. He asked her, so he, he doesn't even say hi, he just sends the image, Okay. The 13-year-old girl gets the image, opens it, and then he follows it up with this, and this is quite common, okay? Um, Send me a picture. She says no, okay? And then he says, and this is very common as well, and that's why we're talking about it. He says, if you don't, I'll tell your family what you have seen. Now you would, and I would say, that's stupid, just get the girl to run to her parents. But statistically... That is not the norm. That is very much not the norm. You need to know this. Kids are not running to their parents to say, I just saw something graphic. What's happening is, it's very, very interesting, but Babylon is creating a way of shaming kids and identity to the degree, and this is the common story back, that they want to protect their parents. You need to hear this. You have to hear this. Kids are not revealing this stuff because they want to keep their parents safe and they don't want to hurt their parents. Um, Jared alerted me to this because this has been part of our study and our discussion. But in last week's Christchurch Girls High Rape case where 20 girls have come out saying they've been raped, all 20 had been exposed to this social media image-sending strategy. All of them. This toing and fro in and this Posturing and, and, and it's a manipulation and a power play. So, the 13 uh, year old girl that uh, I'm referring to sent images back and then was trapped, and more images. And of course, he asked for more, and she says no. And he says, Well, I'll send, I'm going to show your parents what you've sent me. Of course, it just get, it escalates in spirals. I want to say this, and it's really, really, really important. I feel like it's a really important uh, piece. When we were raising our oldest child, who was born in 2002, compared to raising our final, final child, in 2010, okay? Huge difference. We were told when our child was born in 2002, be careful online, keep computers and lounges, that was before these became so friggin' light, fast. Because what could happen is, someone on AOL or Hotmail or Yahoo could message them, okay? and invite them to meet them in a park. So everyone in this room, you're about to have a shift of thinking that's very significant. The park is not a real threat. The park is not like you might, maybe, but we're talking under 1%. The the park that was real in Rebecca in my mind about trying to make sure they don't get, you know, lured out. Do you know what it is now? That's the park. That is the real park, People. If you don't take anything else away, you need to take this away. You are not, you think your kids are safe because they've got this in their room and you think they're a good kid. I mean, this is going to sound really hard and harsh. They are not safe. You are not inherently, if, if, you, if, if you put a child up here with a, a, a rifle, a 22, and it had a cartridge or it just had a bullet in the chamber, okay, and you said, walk around on the stage, and you say, are you crazy? This is worse. It is worse. And, and you have to actually understand that digital abuse is the new park. This is a digital Babylon, a digital reality. It is, that is as physical now as meeting someone. Entrapment is new, the new abuse. And um, unfortunately, we've known cases of this in this city as well, partly why we're talking about it and young people that we have been in contact with. I want to say this as well while we're on it. Some abusers are pure evil and God will be working out the judging of that in time. Other abusers, listen carefully, what they did was not good, not right, wrong, harmful, hurtful, but listen to this. It was accidental. They got affected by the culture. I'm not I am not saying their abuse in any way is to be justified. I'm saying our culture is creating accidental abusers. Man, this is heavy, eh? And what it's doing is it's, the culture is shaping their desires and attitudes. I say that because you may have a, a victim in your home, or you actually might have a perpetrator in your home, and only Babylon, the culture, digital culture, will determine which will be which. I would encourage everybody right now, uh, if you're a grandparent, especially grandparents, I really got on my heart for you, grandparents, because I, I don't know, you know, based on the pocket calls that come from my family members of a certain age, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know if you're as entrenched in Babylon, so you're, you're really, really useful in this way. But I want to say to every parent, every older sibling, every uncle or auntie, every grandparent, you must consider doing the following. Here it is, you ready? Have access to their devices. If they say no, presume there's a problem. If your kid won't let you on their device, presume there's a problem. May not be porn, it may not be image sending, but the boundaries have actually eroded. Know what apps and sites they are visiting. The only way to do that is to get on their phone and look through their history. Listen to this. If your child's history is deleted, there is a problem. There is a problem. If the history is deleted, there is a problem. Okay? It might not be porn, but it could be bullying or it could be something else. Put effective filters and passwords on your internet. We've got a product called Disney Circle. It was about the only one that I could find. It plugs through our router, through a Wi Fi cable, and I can go on, log on, and I can list websites that it cannot go to, or content. Um, I've heard that Spark, the ISP provider, Spark internet provider, is about the only one. The reason I got Disney Circle is our internet, um, Two Degrees, would not provide the service. Spark provide a free adult content filtering service right across your ISP. And what that actually means is, but you, you actually have to request it. It's not on by default, you have to request it, and it will filter a lot. Just remember though, That your kids just have to flick off Wi Fi and turn on mobile data and it's all gone. (laughs) What hope is there? (laughs) Um, The hope is effective passwords on the content, screen time. My kids hate that. The ones that have got it hate screen time. Um, I search through my kids' phones now, it takes a long time. Sometimes I find stuff that is suggestive. If your kids' got Facebook, they will be getting friend requests from porn. Um, users. They'll have no mutual friends. They're generally not a female. A female is used as an image bearer for this porn, but it will normally be a male, a business kind of empire behind it. It's quite disgusting to think about that. Those images must be deleted. And that does come to this as well. Parents, uh, caregivers must unfriend anyone on their friends list that you do not know. No exceptions. I'm going to repeat it. Unfriend anyone on your kid's social media that you do not know. Oh, I know them, they're, they're my friend from school. Okay, cool, but if you do not know who they connect to, their friends is a channel, as you know, through their algorithm to send you content straight down into your kids' um, line. And really importantly, create an open conversation forum. Now, this is gonna mean, guys, that you, you're not reactive when you find out that there's an issue, that you're not combative. Some of you here... Um, I was so worried about this with my kids that, you know, even before they were teenagers, I was thinking about it. And um, it's easy to overreact. It's easy to not actually love them through it. Can I ask you a question? If, if someone came to you and said, my kids got cancer, all right, How fast would you get them treatment? Would you think, oh, that dirty little whatever? Porn? is a cancer and that's how you should react with a compassionate embrace to get them help. Finally now, coming in for a landing. The third reason we're telling you these things as a church community interculture is that there is phenomenal hope and that freedom is Christ's reward. I'm just going to read these notes just as they are. There are people here today who would want nothing to do with violence, pedophilia or grooming of young people, but you are affected by porn. You could be trapped by porn. The stats on Christians who are affected by porn is not good reading. It's in the 70 to 80 percentile. It's a global stat, so congregations will differ. The best thing you could do is get professional help, For the sake of your mind and body, as well as those that you love, addictions are real things, okay? Like I just said, I'm telling you there is actually life and hope beyond this. Things can be better. Um, But you're not going to be able to get an appointment with a counsellor today. So I want to leave you with a couple of things as we leave, okay? That you can do. I was introduced to porn at 11 years old. A friend from church showed it to me. I was around at their house, and he was two years older than me, and um, just opened this magazine. And I immediately felt this dopamine surge, a rush of sexual excitement. Um, It left me alone after that. It was like nothing I'd ever really experienced. And it left me alone for some time after that, but I didn't realize it would be a re-trigger. And when I was 15, another friend, kind of a gap there until 15, another friend had some magazines. Um, no internet at this time. This is 1995, 96. I took one of these magazines home with me and my mum found it. I was, out on, I was out one day and I came home and all of my belongings from my bedroom were put on the deck outside and my parents were having lunch with the Clementson family with all their children around. And all of my mattress, my bed, my clothes, my belongings, and on the top of the pile right next to them, because I'd been out and I was coming and, to this lunch, And on top of it was this magazine opened up. And, of course, uh, my sins were laid bare. Strangely, though, um, that shaming did not stop it. It was a little while longer, another year of it, uh, that something in my consciousness um, found it very, very difficult, but sort of coincided with where I was at in my life and also spiritually where I was at. And so anyway, I got to this point where actually, because it's quite interesting, but my conscience in my spirit, I was just like, this is not right. I don't want this. And my parents were away. I had this night at home and I got these um, magazines out. I was about 16 and a half and I brought them out into the lounge and I lit the fire. I can, I can view it now. And I began to cry out to God. I was like, God, I don't, I don't want this because I was torn up inside. It's like euphoria and absolute condemnation, these two extremes. And so I'm in the lounge and I'm crying out, I'm screaming out to God, like, like you've, got to, you've got to take this from me. I don't want this anymore. Simple prayer, not complicated. And I threw these magazines in the fire and I watched them burn. And from that moment on, I was totally delivered from it. Quite a remarkable event. I know there's people in the room and you might have prayed just as passionately, maybe more passionately. Maybe you did something similar. Maybe you've put kind of that, that spiritual energy into it and nothing changed. I haven't been into porn since then, but I am very aware due to having a device how easy it would be for me to be, for this to be awakened if I'd not take care of myself. Rebecca and I have a really stringent, Set of guidelines in place. We never watch a sex scene in any movie ever. We haven't for 15 plus years. Um, my kids hate it, not that they want to watch sex scenes, but we get up to this part of the movie and I start fast forwarding, and you always lose some plot. Now, through IMDb. It's a great resource. Every movie's listed and every sex scene is listed. IMDb. And so when we're choosing a movie, I go to IMDb and the parent guide. And then I read. And as soon as I start getting defiled in what I'm reading, we're not watching that movie. It has every sex scene, every bit of nudity listed. You can read it. That being said, okay, even though God supernaturally did a work in my heart, I'm a male. And I have, I guess, five children for a reason. Okay. I've got to constantly keep this thing under control. I don't know if you expected a pastor to say that. Oh, when that are pastors, all their desires just go totally. They're like angels. They're like eunuch angels, aren't they? Okay, this is going to be really fast, but I told you it'd be extra time. If we don't do this thoroughly, there's no point doing it. Okay, I'm going to finish with this, okay? Here are seven steps better than shaming to getting free. If you're affected by it today, and I want you, if you're listening, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I believe in the Holy Spirit can do a beautiful work in your life. Okay, I believe for the same grace to be available to you. But these seven things are just as good. And you can listen back to the recording. It's going to be up later in the week. If you want to go over them again. Number one, you have to tell someone. That's the first step. The moment you start talking about this, you get free. Now, notice the difference. I said you talking about it, not your spouse. Your spouse talking about it to you will not get you free. You have to talk about it. You actually have to say, this is what's going on. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins one to another, to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when I'm praying to God, I'm going to get forgiveness, but when I talk to someone who can be um, trusted, I can get healing. You must tell someone. Even if it's a problem, you can't control it, tell someone. You have to organise it. Choose wisely, everybody. Choose someone wise. Choose someone that can help you. If you're here today and someone tells you, do not overreact. Get the help that that person needs, okay? Secrets are powerful forces and when we bring it into the light, they start to lose some of their grip. Number two, Make viewing pornography really inconvenient. Some people might say get rid of your computer and technology altogether. I don't know, you might need to, but I would say try this first. Enable restrictions on your own phone. Install an internet filter at home for you. Decide not to have your computer, phone or iPad in your bedroom, bathroom or toilet. Just make a blanket rule. They don't go into those places. Use technology in a public place. Block apps and URL addresses. You can do that even through a default device. You can do that. Get rid of your headphones at home so that everyone can hear what you're listening to. Find a small group of people that you know can uh, pray for you. First Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. That word immorality is the Greek word pornea, which is where we get the English word pornography. Flee from it. It's idolatry of sex. We'll talk about a vision for that next week. Three, start recognizing your triggers. Counseling could help you with this. Um, what did you notice when you felt drawn to it? What, what were you feeling before that? What's been happening in your life, your work, your home? Is there stress? Is there unresolved emotional I- issues? Is there boredom? Do you just need a flipping purpose? Purpose, by the way, is a, a supplier of dopamine a more sustainable supplier of dopamine. So when we serve in church, we're giving people purpose, not just to get jobs done, but you feel connected to a greater reason, a greater purpose. It's very, very important that you recognize your triggers. Number four, engage your mind. Second Corinthians 10, 5, we're going to take every thought. So when a sexual thought comes in or image, we're going to start to say, thank you, Jesus, that this is not my future. I, get, I ask you to take this from me. You take it straight to the Lord that quickly. And you systematically start to work through noticing and replacing the thoughts that are going on affected by porn. Five, and being withdrawn. The same thing that is um, affected by those things are actually part of the answer to healing from those things. So don't just create virtual friends. Get a connect group, make new friends, go mountain biking, go for walks. Um, God uses the right people in our lives to bring healing. Six, and there's only one more after this, realize relapse can be common. I've got to say that because sometimes we're like, we're working it through with God and, oh crap, you know, something bad happened again. We've failed. No, just like any addiction, it takes time for that resistance to break down. That's not permission to go divulge, you know, divulge it again and to entertain it. It's just understanding that sometimes, actually, this is an addiction you're dealing with. But you've got to get some accountability. As soon as you fall back into it, you're going to go tell that person again, guess what? I've relapsed. Something's happened. I've gone back to it. And then finally, as we close, seek and turn to God and the blood of Jesus. Galatians 5.1 says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So there's double freedom there. Freedom at the cross and freedom from the things that hold us bound. And I actually want to tell you as a pastor now, into the culture. If you were to seek God as much as you seek porn, you'll get free. It's not quite as basic as that because there's seven steps, but you can feel the emphasis. If you seek, God will come through for you. There is power in the blood of Jesus. You can get free. You can be so free that your life feels new and takes on a whole new vision, a whole new world. And I promise you. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And as we finish that, uh, just before I pray, um, maybe we don't have it here. Okay, on our website, uh, www.ansbrook.co.nz, there is a link to Digital Babylon. I've put a whole heap of resources there, some YouTube clips, some really helpful material. You can go and have a look at that. There's um, a ton of really good things. that some links that you can follow. There's also, um, just for those who have got young kids, Unfortunately because of porn I had to talk to my 9 year old son about sex in detail. I thought I was going to have to wait till he was 11 or 12. It was 9 because a friend at school had shown him in an image or was talking about an image. So on that website there's a resource for how to talk to a 7 year old about sex and sexuality. If you're a parent and you're behind the 8 ball and have not talked about this, you've got to play catch up real fast. Don't like baptize them in the depths of this. Take your time. Kind of like be wise with it. So I'm going to pray and we're going to finish the service. I know it's taken a long time. I do understand that. But um, but really why we're doing this is because one, we could be affected by it. But two, we need to create a culture here at Annarsbrook where this can be a safe place and where anyone can come to anyone and say, hey, I need help. And in love, through the mercy and the grace of Jesus, we can wrap our arms around people and get healing. We've got to create a culture where we can deal with the real issues in Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray. Would you close your eyes? This morning, if you're here and um, there's some stuff that's been going on in the space, we're not to shame you, not to put you in a box, not to say that everyone's better than you and you're worse than everyone else. We just want to be able to right now ask God to come in and help us all to help us with that which we're all going to be really at some point you're going to be exposed to and so with eyes closed and heads bowed to pray this prayer after me now you you actually might be a, a person really bound up and trapped by this and if you are this does not negate the first thing I said which was talk to someone tell someone I really want to encourage you today to do something very courageous and to do that But this prayer is just going to be a spiritual impartation. I even believe for people to get delivered this morning, set free from generational effects where it's just been handed down through family lines or really out of your control. And so everybody here is going to pray this prayer after me. But if you need this today, if, if you're trapped, if you're stuck, then I want you to pray it from in the depth of your heart with as much authenticity and ownership and meaning as you can. Let's just see what God could do, not only in this moment, but in the days and weeks and months to come. So everybody, I want you to pray this prayer, okay? Let's pray it. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, for your plan, for your grace. I come to you as a human in the world and you know this you knew temptation you understand it I thank you that you're merciful forgiving a redeemer I ask you to redeem me Forgive me and heal me from this issue. I break every generational tie. I give it to you. I see this as my enemy, not my friend. You are my friend. Come and live in me again. With power. Fill me with your love. Encourage. Help me find someone, Lord, to tell. Heal me. Cleanse me. And set me free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for us. We trust you enjoyed this message and if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz.